0: The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. About a month and a half ago, I was talking with a friend at my home, and, and she uh, was processing the idea of, of um, her spirituality and where she was at as a person. And uh, so she said, you know, I just can't get to a place where I think Christianity is true. I said, you know, I, I just don't think it is. I'm not sure how it can be or if it is and, and so I said well that, that's actually the wrong question you know and I pointed out a couple of weeks ago that's like asking me you know what does is, what is blue smell like or what does brown feel like what's the sound of red you know it's a nonsensical question to me the question really that really matters is to ask does Jesus make sense if, if that question is, is yes then everything else begins to fall into place but you're asking the wrong question up front is Christianity true well you know which version the version that supported and owned slaves the version that you know tortured people who because they had a different set of beliefs the roman catholic version the protestant version the roman catholic version of america or the roman catholicism of europe and latin america the protestant version which which one you know where are you going to land so i'm not you know i'm not committed to christianity I'm committed to discovering Jesus in my life, and, and I hope that's what's going to happen in this conversation, is that you'll, you'll be moving into that direction as well. So to start, I'm going to read a, uh, from the Word, John chapter, I mean Luke, and it'll be on the screen here in front of you if you don't see it. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, um, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told them to to the apostles. But, But, of course, the men didn't believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, and bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering what had happened. I, I think it's um, easy to, to, you know, looking back at hindsight. You know, actually, I think what happens to us, most of us, we, we're, just, uh, we're just snobs with, um, because we think we're modern and we think we, uh, we're wise. Because, you know, it's 2012. Who believes this nonsense? And we think also that something that happened you know, in the past, doesn't affect me now in the future. As if, you know, the revolution of the colonies against Britain didn't happen, which affects us now. The Magna Carta. Heck, even the movie 300. Do you guys remember that film? Oh, wait, they had a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Democracy was essentially saved because of those men. And so I'm going to suggest to you that if this event happened, that Jesus physically literally rose from the dead, that that event still has an echo effect, a ripple effect through history. And it can then affect your lives, and it does affect our lives today. But, you know, again, I, I feel it for the, for the apostles when they, when they heard this. I, what I don't understand, I guess at some level I do, is that everybody understood what Jesus was talking about, about coming back from the dead, except his closest friends. That just I, you know, just never sunk in. Until I realized that there are moments in my life where I can look back and see, you know, amazing breakthroughs or interesting milestones in my life where I knew for certain that God had spoken to me and had done something for me or through me or with me with someone else. And, you know, i come to another point in my life and I just wonder, oh, I don't know. I don't know if he's really there. It never really matters. And so what happens is that you end up, whether or not you call yourself a follower Of Christ, you end up being a person who looks for life among what's dead. Why do you keep calling dead the living? Why do I keep calling dead the living? See, I think this is the thing that that Jesus came to do. First of all, well, you know, I'll say it again. I don't think I'm convinced of that Jesus didn't come to establish Christianity. He came to restore your humanity, my humanity. He came to give us sobriety and sanity. He came to help us step into reality. A reality that actually, then, since reality is our friend, we actually connect with a God who's really there and actually cares. Um, I go to a school where a lot of young men and women wear this shirt that says, God can. And I always thought, okay, but will he? You know? I mean, that he can. The thing that, That's where the sentence ends. Like, he can, you know, but he won't for you or something. (laughs) (laughs) You're too ugly, you know. I mean, it's like, well, shouldn't you finish that sentence? I mean, God can, awesome, but will He? So let me say, yes, you know, He will. He can. See, I think that's the biggest problem that Jesus actually faced, though, is that he had to uh, uh, deal with giving people something that they didn't want or thought they already had. Look, Jesus came to solve our most basic problem. He came to give us life, he came to give us love, and he came to help us make sense of it all. Which, um, by coinkidink, happens to be the themes for these talks. Love, life, love, and making sense of it all for the next three weeks. He came to give us something that we thought we already had, which was life. He came to give us something that we think that we don't need because we already have it. Life. Life. I try not to talk about my kids, but there's so much material. So, um, (laughs) I have a son who, uh, uh, I've always doubted the genetic connection because, you know, he was very light-skinned and blue-eyed and blonde, you know. This is your son? Sure it is. I forgive you, Lilia. (laughs) Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. But uh, see, but the, the, the thing that really made me, you know, roused my suspicion, besides his German accent, the other thing that had me, <laughs> was he didn't care for candy. That, that is not the fruit of my loins. That is not, not my offspring. He loved fruits. What kind of twisted child loves fruits? Did you drop him, honey? Why would he care for stuff that comes from dirt? And as you know, most kids, when you put them out in your garden, they don't experience a beautiful garden. What they see is a salad buffet, right? Everything goes into their mouth. So one day, my wife was telling me this story, and uh, is that she had cut up slices of mango or something, you know, we're Hispanic. Mango or whatever it was, right? Papaya. And then, uh, papaya, and then, <laughs> if you're from Orange County. So, uh. So she was going to take it out to him, and his mouth was full of leaves and twigs and well, who, debris. You know, I don't know what was in there, a phone book. It was just, you know, it was all a mess, right? And uh, so she was trying to clear out, evacuate the material with her finger, you know, so she can give him the fruit. And he was, he was fighting her. You know, like, mm, you know, like, let me have my twigs. You know, I need, I need my dead leaves. And she had this amazing plate of fruit that he loved, you know? And, and, and she said it dawned on her at that moment, this is exactly how we treat God. We hang on to, to stuff that's dead. It doesn't bring us life. We, we, and, and sometimes worse, you know it. Have you ever done this thing? You're, you're getting ready to... Uh, I just to get ready to go out. Uh, you just getting ready to do something, and, and you go, you're thinking, no good will come out of this evening. None. Okay, let's go. And then, you know... <laughs> You actually take off your watch, your valuables, because you don't know where you're going to wake up, right? <laughs> Just make sure I have a name tag on the chonies. Okay. <laughs> in case they find the corpse or the body off the 605 somewhere. And you know how it is, you wake up. You go, oh, okay. Oh, I have my pajamas on. Good. I planned this. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Wait, whose closer are these? <laughs> who's that? Why is that so long? You know, you wait have those moments, right? We all had them. So that's why you're laughing. Hey, what happened to me I this morning. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm still wondering how I got there from the resurrection. I have no idea. None. Because none of that was in my notes, actually. All right. So Jesus' problem. Here's the problem Jesus has. He's trying to give us, desperately give us something that we think we already have, which is life. And most of us fight them. And not only do you fight them if you are a follower, but you fight them even thinking, you know, no, whatever you got, I don't need. I'm sure, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm doing pretty well about you. So why would I want to add, like, religion on top of my list of to-dos and everything else that's a problem for me? So here's, I think, the first problem for us. It's a problem of perception. It's a problem of perception. And you know from our previous conversations that I think our perception issue is, is a matter of, of uh, what's, uh, uh, What's shaped our souls, and you know the voices that we've let in, the big definition that we have for ourselves. I'm this. I'm a that. I'm... And so that colors and textures your soul, and it's what you, you use. Your soul is what experiences life. I mean, I know we think it's all of our senses, what you we were taught, but that's not exactly true. And I think all of you know that. Most of you know that some, there are moments when you've walked into a room or you've stepped outside or you've gone into a particular home and, and you, you start immediately to, your eyes get watery and your nose starts dripping histamine, you know, like, a, like a, someone turned on the faucet and you're sneezing. And the reason is is that your body recognizes there's a toxin in the environment and it's trying to expel it. Correct? So your body already reacts to something that your brain hasn't caught up to. And usually after, you know, half hour of mess and tears, you know, do you have a cat or, you know, what is it? You know, your brain begins to think, hey, there's something wrong here. Leave the environment, you know. <laughs> Open a window, you know. Move the corpse. So it's something about, uh, you know, and, and because your body knows before your your brain. See, the thing is, though, so is our soul. Many times our soul and our spirit know something is wrong. We're we not even able to articulate it. And, and our brains actually catch up to our souls. We sense something's wrong. There's an uneasiness, there's... What's even funny is that when the thought begins to formulate that something might be off, we actually just, you know, we, we anesthetize or we shut it down because I don't want to think that something's wrong. It's a perception problem. We think we're alive, but we're actually dead to life. Now, if, if you're thinking about this and, or taking notes, we think we're alive, but we're actually dead to life. And when I mean life, I mean life of a capital L, I mean God. And we're dead to the life that we were intended to live. Let's go back to Ephesians 2.10. I've been bringing that up all year. That you were created to do good works that he planned in advance for you to do. There was, there was actually a life that he imagined for each one of us in this room when Christ our Savior was bleeding out. And if you're honest with yourselves, you can think, okay, is it is it am I living the life that actually God intended for me? We talked a couple of weeks ago that God always introduces Himself to the people of Israel as I'm the God of it, You know, I'm the God that led you out of Israel, which is led you out of uh, Egypt, which is code for I'm the God that set you free. I'm not bringing you back into slavery. I set you free for freedom. So you know, here's the first thing to kind of think about: Am I living a life that feels free? Am I living a life where when I say yes, I mean yes. When I say no, I can mean no. Or am I living a life where when I don't want to do something, I really don't want to do it anymore because it's, it's not really bringing me any joy or life anymore? And I think this is why many of us are actually afraid of death. Because it would mean that I actually missed on my opportunity to experience life. But if the scriptures are true... the messengers have said that actually when you move it out of this life, you step into your real life. It's not a cessation of experiences or consciousness, and you'll have nothing to fear. The rumor of death haunts us, and, and you know the, the, uh, the desire to experience life eludes us, and we have a perception problem, and, and, and then... When we hear the voice of God and we're just like our ancestors in the garden, when we hear the sound of God coming to us, we hide and we'll run. This is why many of you pull back from relationships or you'll pull back from spiritual experiences because you just, you know, you don't want to let yourself, I don't know, I, I, well, you know, that young woman I told you I was speaking about when she first asked me this question, is Christianity true? I told her it's the wrong question. You know, she, she began to process some other things, and I said to her, I go, I, "I'm not sure what happened to you, that you gave up on love and you no longer have hope, but this is what God brings. And I understand that you don't want to get your heart broken or your hopes dashed. I get that. No one does. But this is a, this is a, a faithful person, a lover of your soul, who will not betray you. In John 10.10, 10, it says this, Jesus speaking of himself, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So, Jesus says it. He's, he's called Prince of Life. He says it of himself. Look, I, I, you know, it, it, if you found Jesus being a liar somewhere, then okay, but so far, I haven't found that to be true. And he doesn't seem to be a lunatic he seems to be the person he's claimed to be which is the Lord and so if he says look I've come to give you life I have an option is that true or not? see if it's true it means you and you and you and everyone in this room he's come to give you life so do I have a perception problem that says oh, I, well mm, no I already have that I already already have life and yet the people at the tomb that met those women said, are you really, really have life? Or are you still seeking life among the dead? So why do, why do the words of Jesus not have the, like the welcoming effect of like, oh my goodness, great, I finally found it for us. I think the second problem happens to be because of a pattern. Um, <laughs> pattern. Somebody asked me earlier, hey, are we going to get off your shirt later for a picnic? <laughs> Everybody shun Austin going forward now. Oh, it was Justin. It was Justin? I got, oh, and you shaved. How can I not tell the two apart? Sorry. Okay. So Justin, raise your hand so we can shun you. There you go. Good. Well done. If we have a problem with perception, it's because of our patterns in our life. Look, if you're thinking you're already alive, you're not going to look for life, right? If some, you know, if you have, um, I mean, I don't know, how can to put this? If somebody said to you, hey, how would you like to have, you know, oxygen for, you know, $80 a day, I can give you oxygen, like, um, I'm covered, I think I'm good with that, you know, I got oxygen, or hey, how would you like to have something you already have, and then they're trying to sell it to you, mm, why would I buy that? And even if somebody wanted to give you something you already have, most of us think, oh, well, I don't have room in my house. Or, you know, why, would you give, why would you look for and take something that you already have? This is our problem because we believe we already have life. We have a pattern of, of actually taking in what's actually uh, harmful to us and, and it, it doesn't cause us to thrive and it actually kills us. And, and your soul and your spirit are screaming, trying to get the intention of your brain. Hey, this isn't working we think we have as, as much life as we can possibly handle you know what's even dumber have you guys done this if something is not working rather than change you, you just do it more Well, no, this is not working I might need a bigger bottle You know, <laughs> I just need a bowl that's what the problem is You're just there at work with your bowl. <laughs> Think of it. You guys have done this. I've done that. This isn't working, so I'll just do it more. You know what? Because we're Americans, right? Right? If one dose works, one dose a day for the next seven days, I'll just take them all today. <laughs> Wouldn't that save time? <laughs> yeah. All along our souls know we're dead and, des- and they des- just desperately want to come to life. The other thing is I told you that there's, there's patterns established by our, uh, by our beliefs, our perception, our habits and then there's patterns that were established as I said before in the last few weeks. If you haven't heard those podcasts, you should. Um, the voices in our head. The voices that, that at, at first are the voices of family, friends and people who actually heard us when we were small or spoke death into our lives. Like damn you, I hate you, you're so stupid, you're this and then just, and it just crystallized as your, as your identity. And then the only voices we allow in are the ones that confirm this. And that even if it's a healthy voice, we just push back and say, nope, that's not me. That might be somebody else, but that's not me. And so the problem not only is our perception, it's also our pattern. So we live out the identity that we have for ourselves. But I want to point out something here to you, like the downside of this pattern, that the life that we want and the life that we actually fit for well, I mean, I'll, I'll try it another way. Um, how many of you have done that thing where you switch your diet for a few days? Like you, maybe you, you give up red meat for a while. For some reason you went crazy. <laughs> you tried doing a plant-based diet, you know, and, and you're like, oh, it feels, you know, to, your, to your surprise, you go, oh, I actually feel better. I'm not as sick in the morning. I, my skin is amazing. <laughs> Which is one reason to be vegetarian alone, Right? Or you give up soda for a day or two, and you're like, oh, I can see color now. You know, just... (laughs) You're you're shocked. You know, like... Well, let's be really honest. You give up weed for a few days, and then you go to work, and you go, oh, my God, I'm so productive. I didn't... (laughs) What the heck? Patients are not dying. This is so good. Okay, you won't, remember, you won't forget this next, no matter how much you'll try, you won't forget the metaphor, right? Because I don't know what patients are not dying with this, I not mean, know what you're kicking here that makes you effective as a medical professional, but whatever it is, patients are not dying. That's so stupid. Look, there's some things you're, you're meant to run on, correct? You know this from your car. You know, it's funny, we take better care of our cars than our own souls. They ever borrow a car from somebody to go, don't wait! Don't put anything but premium in there. Don't, dude. right, And, and they're, they're a train wreck. Their life's a train wreck, right? But their car, their car, right? It's funny up to a point, unless you're that person. We take better care of our stuff than our own souls. And look, the, the fuel, the life, the food that your soul was meant to run on was Christ. See, life that we need from God isn't something he gives us. Like, oh, here's your, here's your life pill. You know, there's yours. Wow, you need two. <laughs> Wake up. Here's your pill. <laughs> it's not like that. See, see, this is how we treat God like a, uh, a Pez dispenser. I'm lonely. Let me go to God. Uh, stuff's not working. I'll go to God. Because um, he'll give me a hit, a jolt, a bump, a Something. You'll give me a thing, right? He's not a doctor in that respect. He, it's not, life is not something from him. Life is him. And I think that's why we have the, the next problem. See, when Jesus says, I've come to give life, I've come to give it in abundance, he was saying, I'm not just trying to make you a Christian. I want to give you your life back. You're still working on, I better not cuss, I shouldn't drink, blah, blah, blah. No rhythmic movement to music, because I went to Biola, you know, I can't, I can't. Was this on? This was on? Okay. So, you know, uh, I have so much stupidity in here, and I can't keep it from coming out. So, you know, hey, look, don't try to give yourself life. You can't. You're still looking for life among stuff that's just dead. Even good rules will not give you life. See, I I know some of you are hearing this and thinking, oh yeah, I need to stop doing certain things. No. Look, because you know how people try to find life if you're moral and conservative? You work hard. You pay your taxes. You have a valid license. Insurance. You take care of your family. You mow your lawn. Or you pay Pablo to do your lawn. Right? Because you're an American, you're a Christian, you're, you're a good person, you're living life, and you know that doesn't work. You know that doesn't mean life. If you're more flexible with your morality, it could be a number of things. That person, this person, are in the same place. They both need a Savior who gives them life. Neither one can snub their nose at the other and say, You're an idiot. Both of us, both extremes and everything in between need a Savior. But here's the problem, and it's the last one. It's because life is personal. Uh, do you know those people, maybe you were that person, you know, you have relationships and you start getting close to somebody and and uh, you think, Mm, maybe you don't consciously think this, but you subconsciously sabotage relationships because you can't, you don't want somebody, you, like you want sort of a relationship, but not, not, not intimacy, not transparency. You know, I mean, so maybe in your dating life or uh, currently you, you go, oh, yeah, I met that person. You know, you, relationships have a three to nine month expiration date and they begin to fall apart. Because a couple of things. Maybe you don't have the character to sustain a long-term relationship. Or you just don't want one because after a while, you know, relationships have a... Right? Here's the problem with relationships. They either move forward or they begin to die. They're never static. Never. Never. They're never static. But that's how it is with God as well. See... I've made the analogy in the past that you know God's willing to marry us on any terms, whatever it is, and we just want to date. We want, to <laughs> okay, it's cool you want to marry me, but I still feel the need to see other people. You <laughs> know, I still feel the need to see other gods. So you're cool with that, you know. <laughs> see, it's personal, Jesus. If nothing else, it's personal. And listen, because it's personal, that's why it's uncomfortable. Do you really want someone to know your nonsense? Let I me mean, be honest. I, I don't. I mean, I tell you a lot of my nonsense. But I'm making it all up, seriously, to make you feel better. Um, <laughs> I was going to say I'm just sharing Chris's life, but I won't do that. <laughs> it's Easter, bro. I wanted to acknowledge you. Yeah, you know, I, I, come on. Do you really want someone to know your... I mean, like, you, I know we have moments. There's things we're willing to share. But then there's stuff we don't even share with anybody. We're just like, oh gosh, hope no one remembers. Hope hope they lose the video. You know, you're just you're just you're hoping that that, that doesn't get out what you actually did, what you actually thought, what you actually want. And so why would I want God to move in there? It's personal. That'd be too uncomfortable for most of us. For all of us, I think. There's a there's a bit of fear and pushback that I, I you know, can I just act like a Christian instead of you giving me life? It's a strange thing, but I think most of us actually without even consciously thinking it. we actually live that way. Uh, you know, I'll go to church or I'll go to small groups and but I I don't want to I don't want to actually meet Jesus. He's not a principle. He's not a philosophy. He's not a practice. He's a person. He's a person. See, this is why if you're visiting today and you're coming to church, your your friend or your neighbor invited you, your family member, and you think they're nuts. You know, I, you know, I, from the, looking from the outside, it does seem a little weird. I get, it. I get it. Seriously, I really do. Um. We talk about this person as if he's alive. Spoiler alert: He is, you know. And we, we we talk about him as if we're in love with this man, you know. We are, and we talk about him like he's God, and he is. I, I think about the um, even just the year alone, 2012. Have you ever wondered, like, when you think about it, two, 2012 years from what? What, what was What was year zero? The whole world bases its calendar off the life and birth of Jesus Christ. That ought to give you a little pause. Like, well, maybe there's something to this person. My history teacher told me he didn't even exist. (laughs) He's an idiot. I mean, because there's no serious academic or intellectual that thinks Jesus didn't exist. Here's the problem. It's not... Did he exist? It's who he is. It's always an identity issue. Who is Jesus? And even as followers, we need to remind ourselves, is he just a good example? Yeah, he's that. Does he have some good things to say about life? Yes, he does. Did, did he affect Western culture and all the cultures around the world in an amazing fashion? Yes, he did. Did his teachings in life actually liberate women from the nonsense that exists? yes. And if you think Jesus doesn't make a difference, go to other cultures where Christianity hasn't had an impact. Does he affect politics? Does he have something to say to politics? Yes. Does he have something to say about the world of philosophy? Yes. Does he have something to say about the world of economics? Yes. Academics? Yes. Everything. He has something to say about each world. But if you go with those questions first, you won't get an answer. Why? Because he wants the personal thing established first. You know, I, I don't know how to make this any... Um, less weird, but just to say, because he's a person. Until you get the personal thing squared away, you don't really get an answer to anything else. Jesus is life. Jesus is life. He doesn't like give life like a, like here's your life. Here's a cup of life. Here's a pill of life. Here's a chunk of life. Here's a pound of life. He is life. You cannot have life apart from Jesus. Period. I, I, you know, I I hope if you choose not to be an intentional student or follower of Jesus Christ this morning, that's fine. That's on you. We're, you're still our friends. We love you. We'll pray for you. You're welcome in this community. Drink the coffee. Eat the pandulce. You know, go nuts, man. But sooner or later. I I want to tell you up front long term what what our agenda is is to help you connect to God through your Savior Jesus Christ so you can have life and then we'll just be amazed at the amazing life that you can live afterwards you'll be the most unique you you'll be the most amazing you you won't be a copy look around this freaking room is there anybody that looks like anybody in this room (laughs) aren't you grateful no one does you know (laughs) one of each of you is quite enough right (laughs) <laughs> Jesus is life Jesus is love and let me just one final thought it's the thought about love being death have you noticed that a lot of the amazing romantic comedies or rom, let's say romantic stories that the one that really comes to mind I guess would be Romeo and Juliet is that, so whenever I think of love I always think of the phrase that love is death um, because you see when, when, uh, when the character or the person in the story, the quest, wants his love, he has to die for her, in a way. That's the story of our God. Now, it'd be kind of a tragic story, but it was all like, you know, then he just died. You know? but, he, but he comes back to life. Why? Because he is life. Life to claim his beloved, which is you. You are God's beloved. It's for us that he died to give us his life. And I want to close with this thought. He knows exactly what you need. Now, you know, I, look, if you come to Mosaic Whittier, sooner or later, we're going to screw up. Say it right now, most likely the music. <laughs> those those clowns have no idea what's going on. Maybe the tech team too, but most of the time, everything else will be okay. But no, seriously, we're going to screw up. We're not, you know, we're, we're we're just like you. We're mensos. We're, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna. We want to do the right thing, but we're trying to figure it out as you are. And and, and I, you know, that that's going to happen. So don't be surprised if it does. We we mean well. We'll, we'll try to make it right as best we can. But I know this, that, that God will never, you'll never have been saying, you know that Jesus thing just didn't quite work out for me. He's a big old liar. Just didn't work out for me. That will never happen. You'll never have Jesus say, oh, just please shut up. Like, you know, like one of us will do sometimes to our friends. D-d-d-d. He'll never say, I'm tired of you. He'll never slap you. He'll never say, I hate you. I never say, again? See, some of those voices you've heard that are actually still shriveling your soul and you are unable or unwilling to believe that God can love you. But in this community, there are many people and men and women who have experienced the transforming love of God that gave them life. Christ knows exactly what you need. Let him... Give you the life that your soul is crying out for. Hey, just will you join me in a posture of prayer? I prayer for this moment? Father, who are we to actually address you and to speak with you? And yet you incline your ear, you lean over to listen and hear us. For that, we're thankful. I pray, Father, for my friends and my family. I pray for all the guests this morning who have not experienced you, have not stepped into a relationship with you, that this morning will be their anniversary, their their birthday, their new spiritual wedding when they make an intentional decision to follow you. I pray for all of us that have been followers for a while and you know, we screw up and we drop the ball and, and we just seem to fall back into old patterns or old perceptions. And, the, you know, I been as guilty of it as anybody else. I thank you that you are a redeemer every day, that you are a savior every day, and we could just have a do-over every day with you. Thank you for being a life giver. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for raising from the dead. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.